Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. It's good to be here. It's good to be able to share the Word of God with you this morning. Psalm 13 was a psalm that the guys had there was a few psalms that they had picked out that they wanted to speak about during the summer, and this was one of the ones that we'd agreed on, Psalm 13. Uh, it's, it's, well, well, let's just read it first of all, and maybe it'll be on the screen. Um, can I see that screen from here? <clears throat> okay, Psalm 13, Psalm of David. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. I know the Lord blesses the reading of his word. and um, We're going to look at this psalm. It's known as a how long psalm. You'll notice in verses 1 and 2 that he says these words four times. How long? How long? How long? How long? Four times God calls out to the Lord these words, suggesting that whatever is going on in David's life has been going on for a long time. It's no wonder Spurgeon called this the howling sound. How long? How long? He called it the howling sound. <clears throat> and it's a psalm of lament, much like the psalm that Bill shared with us last week, Psalm 3. It was also a psalm of lament as well. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting to note that there's more than a third of the psalms, 150 is well, a third of them are laments, and they're often called the neglected psalms. And there may be reasons for that. And maybe it's, been, maybe it's because we've been taught that good Christians don't talk like that. Or do, good Christians maybe don't feel like that. Uh, or um, uh, uh, lamenting is a sign that your faith is weak. Maybe we've been taught that sort of thing. But you know, our laments are a response to the pain of life. We cry out to God when life gets hard and we discover, and when we discover that there's no quick fix, that there's no easy solutions to what we're, what we're facing, we cry out to God. And when that reality hits us, <clears throat> we sometimes, when we're, we're in that frame of mind, we sometimes wonder, is it even any any use to pray. 
And maybe there are times when I've even felt abandoned by God. But you know, we can afford, David will show us here in this psalm that we can afford to be honest with God. Because <clears throat> we know, we know when we see at the end of the psalm, as he, know, as he knew deep down that God loves us. And so we can uh, afford to be honest and tell him how we really feel. And we should also remind ourselves that these psalms, these lament psalms, uh, have been put in, God has put them in his word. He's included them for us and for our benefit. He wants them in the Bible. And he wants them there uh, for our benefit. Because, you know, the Bible never paints a picture. The Bible never paints a picture that the Christian life is all going to be rosy. And it's going to be an easy path. If you were if you're to read in the book of James, James tells us in chapter 1, he says, consider joy when you enter into trials. Consider joy when, not, not, not if, but when uh, you come into trials. So let's see how this psalm can meet us when, when we are feeling like that, when we are, are stressed or when we are distressed. <clears throat> The psalm falls nicely into three parts of two verses each. Okay, I've got three Ps here. Uh, I'm, I'm copying Phil here. Precipitation. The problem, the petition, and the praise. Like three Ps and four. Verses one and two, we find the problem. Verse two and three, we have the petition. And verse Sorry, verse 1 and 2, the problem, verse 3 and 4, the petition, and verse 5 and 6, the praise. So what was the problem? Verses 1 and 2, Bill will put it on the screen for us there. <clears throat> 1 and 2, what's the problem? Well, the problem is that God seems distant. We don't really know why or what the circumstances were at the time of writing. Most commentators think that David here was on the run from Saul, that he was hiding in caves. Saul was still on the throne. David had been anointed, but Saul was still on the throne. He was still king. Uh, others think that, uh, as Phil shared in Psalm 3 last week, that he was on the run from Absalom. Not really sure about it. But whatever the problem, it had gone on for a long time. And David tells us now that he feels disoriented, he feels forsaken, and he feels forgotten. And he vents, he vents his anger and he vents his pain uh, uh, to God. And in other words, as I said earlier, he's being honest with God as to how he feels. He's telling God just what's going on in his heart and in his mind. And <clears throat> he's so honest about it that you nearly think he's being uh, brash about it, or, or you, would, you would think that he's being, being, over, being too bold about it as he speaks to God. Because, you know, we don't hear many prayers in church like this prayer of David. Uh, <clears throat> and maybe, maybe that's because we have this schoolmaster uh, image of God in our lives. 
so that we we don't speak like that to him. We 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 say it's out of respect, or or maybe it's more out of fear of of God as a schoolmaster God that we don't want to arouse his anger, or we don't want to question him. It wouldn't be right to question God. <clears throat> so out of respect. Or, or as I say, maybe out of fear, we, we speak politely to God. Isn't that right? Uh, we try to choose our words. And we reserve our, our more real emotions, or we reserve our raw emotions for the counsellor, maybe that we're uh, speaking with, or with a friend who's willing to lend us their ear. Or maybe uh, we vent our raw emotions um, most likely to our spouse. I remember when Alan lost Lindsay, he blogged that he was disappointed in God. We thought that was maybe a step too far. But he felt that he needed to be honest about his feelings. And he felt, he also felt let down that God had taken Lindsay from him. And you know, we don't know the whys we don't know the whys. We don't have the answers to these questions or these uh, circumstances sometimes that we find ourselves in. We don't have the answers to what God's doing, but I think to withhold our true feelings from God, uh, I think that only hinders the, the process of healing. Because as I said earlier, God wants us to be honest with him. God wants us to tell him exactly how we feel so he can minister his healing to us. <clears throat> and then in verse 2 there, not only is David dealing with the feeling of abandonment by God, but he's also dealing with his own uh, emotions. David says that he wrestles with his thoughts and his sorrows in his heart every day. This is relentless. This is constant as far as David's concerned. David's describing the, the depths of his despair. He declares to the Lord that his emotions are eating him up inside. And he's fighting these negative thoughts. He's fighting these uh, negative thoughts that are in his mind. And you know, how many times does that happen in our lives in the midst of a trial? Our minds very often would tell us to give up. There's no point in fighting it anymore. To give in because we think there's no way out. Sometimes we think that the only solution to the problem is that it never happens. <laughs> Sometimes we think the only solution to the problem is that it would just evaporate and go away. But that doesn't happen. And, you know, it's a psalm, this psalm that I can relate to. In a time in my life back in the early 80s when I was in a dark place, and the words of David here in this psalm could very well express my mood at that particular time in life. I'd been involved for years in many aspects of uh, Christian life, involved heavily and totally in my church at that time and ministry and youth work and children's work 
I was also with my brothers trying to, to build up uh, our business. And so working long hours and then coming home, rushing out to church and, you know, just burning the candle at both ends. I became mentally, physically, and spiritually exhausted. And I suffered a breakdown, ending up in hospital. And at this time, I felt like David, God seemed distant. God seemed even uncaring. I was blaming God for my own mismanagement of my, my time. And God seemed distant and uncaring. And I wondered how long these dark days would continue. How much longer would I be tormented by anxiety, by uncertainty about the future? And why had God forgotten about me? Because when this happened to me, uh, back in those days, for someone like me to be in a hospital with a, a mental illness was taboo. So, you know, it's not that people didn't care. It's just that people didn't know how to handle this. This was sort of a thing that shouldn't happen to Christians. So, so I was abandoned in that sense and felt uh, totally alone. I prayed and my prayers seemed just to hit the ceiling and bounce back. I couldn't find God uh, in it all. And I wondered, I wondered, I knew God, deep down I knew God loved me and I knew I was saved, I never doubted that, but I just wondered why God had forgotten me and why. And how could any, how could any good ever come out of this? I felt that my life as a Christian, my Christian life was gone and gone forever. And perhaps you can relate to that today in some way. Maybe, because let me say first of all, there is no group of Christians that are immune to hardship. There's no group of Christians that are immune to affliction and heartache. <clears throat> and some of you today here might be facing sickness in your bodies. You, you may be caring for older parents who are not so well. You may have had a death of a loved one and you're overwhelmed with grief today. Or you might be facing financial problems or maybe some type of job insecurity. Because in this world, Life changes. Life changes come in all forms. They come in all forms. And there, there might be even some relations, maybe some uh, romantic breakups, divorce, loneliness, abuse, all of these things, which are so common in our society today and even amongst believers. All these things can be devastating. Christian parents kind of wayward children and far too many children have uncaring, even absent parents. See, the world in which we live is a broken place. We live in a, in a broken world, ravaged by sin. Heaven is our home, but 
we're not there yet. We, st we still have to, to live in this world that is wracked with sin. And being a Christian, being a believer doesn't give immunity from physical pain, nor does it give immunity from mental anguish. And so I know that uh, in my case, I couldn't figure out what God was doing in my life. And sometimes that's difficult. And maybe some of you today may have the same question. The question that I asked and the question that David asked here, how much longer, Lord, is this going to go on? David here expresses the fact in verse 2 that his insides is churning. And he feels the, the tightness of the stress throughout his body. And the cry of his weary soul is, Oh God, oh God, how much longer? How much longer? And then something happens in verses 3 and 4. Something happens in verses 3 and 4. David appeals. David appeals to the one who is bigger than the problem. Yeah. And this is his petition. Verses 3 and 4. He's calling out to the Lord. Answer me, God, he says. Answer me, God, before it's too late. David petitions God. He cries out to God from the depths of his being. He says, I, like David's being real with God. He's being totally honest about his feelings. He's crying out to God and he's saying, God, I can't remain in the dark and bear this much longer. Actually, what uh, David is really saying here is, God, you have to come to my defense and you have to come now because I can't stick this any longer. Because if you don't come now, he says, the enemy will get the victory and I'll be defeated and I'll be destroyed. So have you ever been consumed with an overwhelming burden in your life. You know, you're dealing with something. Maybe today you're dealing with something. You know, like it's the, it's the first thing you think about when you wake in the morning. And it's the last thing you think about when you go to sleep at night. And maybe if you make it out of bed in the morning, or if you if you waken up in the morning, you, you maybe just don't want to get out of bed. You want to just pull the sheets over you and, and stay there. But if you make it out of bed, you know, during the day, the, the burden hangs over your head and saps your vitality. You can't do your job right. You have no joy. You can't even speak to people the way you would like to. This is a time in my life, uh, this is the sort of thing that I experienced uh, that I referred to earlier. And maybe today you too are gripped by that kind of panic, that kind of helplessness, that kind of sorrow and, and even regret. 
And then he says, then he says here, <clears throat> give light to my eyes, Lord, or I will sleep in death. What David's really saying here? Well, first of all, he realizes that he needs light. He, there's a dark cloud over him. He's living in the dark. He's living within the shadow of this dark cloud. He needs enlightened. He needs God uh, to come and give out light to his eyes. He needs to see the things. He needs to see things the way God sees things. And it's true, isn't it, that when we look at what we're suffering through our own eyes, things, things don't make sense. We can't get them to add up. They don't. We, don't, we, we just wonder what good could ever come out of this. We don't understand why we endure the things that we have to go through sometimes. And I think like David here, we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes to see him in it. We need to ask God to come and uh, show us light so that we can trust him in the situation. We need our eyes to be enlightened so that we have an eternal perspective on things. Alternative to that is to go on the way we are and continue in having a, not having an, an eternal perspective, but having a, a more a carnal, uh, fleshly, physical view of life. We need to let our eyes look <clears throat> at life with the spiritual eyes of the Lord. God's per perspective, of course, in this is <clears throat> seen most clearly in what Phil shared earlier when we were breaking bread. God's perspective in all of this is seen at the cross of Calvary where God's own son, Lord Jesus, came into this world and lived among us. Remember, he was God in flesh. He said once, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So God has lived among us and God has experienced our infirmities and he can identify with our weakness. God can identify with our frustration. God can identify with our disappointment because Jesus, Jesus was on the receiving end of all of that. Jesus was on the receiving end of betrayal. He was on the receiving end of loneliness. He was on the receiving end of execution. And he knows what it's like. Jesus knows what it's like to be all torn up inside. Jesus knows what it's like to wrestle with anxiety. And while he hung on the cross... That was one of his laments. Remember? Psalm 22. My God, why have you forsaken me? You know, David, or Jesus could very well and just as appropriately, appropriately um, recited Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord? You need to remember that when Jesus hung on the cross, he was alone. Remember in the garden, 
after the disciples realized that they were following a king who wouldn't fight, when Jesus told them to put up their swords, the king who wouldn't fight, they were disillusioned and said they all forsook him and fled. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he was alone, except for his mother. His mother was there. And John was there, far off, stood at a distance. And Jesus called him over and he said, John, behold your mother, take her away to your own home and look after her. I think Jesus just didn't want his mother to see him in that state. And Jesus was alone. So he can identify with all our, our weaknesses, our frustrations, our anxieties and our infirmities. And nevertheless, God used that injustice to Jesus to accomplish our redemption. That's the great thing about it. Jesus' emotional and physical suffering, it was never beyond God's control or Jesus' control. Remember, he said, nobody takes my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. It wasn't beyond his control, but it was part of God's plan to which the Lord Jesus had willingly um, consented and agreed to. And even when Herod and Pilate and the soldiers that whipped him and mocked him were absolutely clueless as to what was really happening, God in his unfathomable purpose was working out his amazing plan of redemption so we all could be saved. He was making eternal life possible for those who deserved eternal death, you and I. And that's the ultimate expression of, of love, isn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave. And, oh, and so what God has done in the past on our behalf can give us an assurance today that he hasn't forgotten us. And somehow, somehow, and often we don't know how, but somehow God will work out everything for good. So if the psalmist has um, asking how long, then some time must have passed. And isn't that our struggle? Isn't that our struggle? Waiting. We don't like waiting. You know, if we have to sit five minutes in McDonald's drive-through, we start getting fidgety. We don't like waiting. But you know, God has his own schedule for loving and for answering his people. From our, from our, from our perspective, God never seems to be in a hurry. <laughs> from our perspective, God seems to take his time. But from God's perspective, he's never late. He's never late. And so we wait in the middle of our suffering with the assurance that he is in control. We've got to remember that. And that assurance helps us, that assurance delivers us from giving in or giving up. And knowing God can redeem our suffering offers us hope and, and our petition. Uh, can then move into the last section here, uh, verses 5 and 6, praise. 
David has not yet been delivered fully. Verse 5 and 6, uh, he begins to praise God, but he, he's still in the same place. You know, David's circumstances haven't changed one bit from the start of the psalm. When he felt confused, when he felt depressed and forsaken by God, you know, was said earlier, David uh, was still on the run here uh, from Saul and was trying to kill him. So what changed? Something changed here in these last two verses. You know what it was? It was David's focus. His focus changed, and sometimes we have to change our focus. And I think that is a very important point. David changed from focusing on himself and the problems, and he shifted his thoughts uh, uh, to God's love, and he shifted his thoughts to God's uh, ultimate salvation. I th was thinking that, you know, maybe he remembered God's deliverance in the past. Maybe he remembered his deliverance from the lion and the bear and Goliath. Maybe he started to focus on that, what God had done for him in the past. And it's good for us to do that sometimes, what God has done for us in the past. And that's a beautiful song that Clara sung. You know, all my life, God's been good. And we think of our past blessings and what God has done for us. And that shift in focus moved David from confusion and depression into joy and praise. But it didn't happen accidentally. Notice what it says. But I trust in your unfailing love. But I trust. But I. That's, that's emphatic. I. A deliberate a choice David made to rely on God's love. Rather than continuing to focus on his problems, he started now to deliberately choose uh, to think of God's goodness to him in the past and to rely on the love of God. He chose to interpret the circumstances by God's love rather than to in interpret God's love by his circumstances. And you know it's true at a time of trial, the devil, the devil tries to get us to doubt God and doubt God's love, but we have to uh, resist that temptation and we have to affirm to ourselves with God's word that he causes all things to work together for good to, to those who love the Lord. You know, like Joseph, remember Joseph in, way back in Genesis 50 where uh, he said to his brothers, he says, you know, uh, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, and God turned it around for good. David had the faith uh, here uh, to do that. And when G David chose to trust in God's love, his heart was filled with joy as he thinks of the deliverance which God will bring about. That's important. That's a very important point. The faith kicked in here. And David, by faith, um, counts God's future deliverance as past. Look what he says. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. David had the faith to believe 
God would eventually deliver him. And by faith, David counts God's future deliverance as past when he says this. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Time's up. Claire's going to come and uh, we're going to just sing a song to close and then Phil will pray uh, as we close. But um, just to say, when God seems distant, you know, join David in uh, deliberately trusting in God's unfailing love. You know, <clears throat> David wrote another psalm in Psalm 103, and he said this, As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. You can count on that today as a believer. You can count on God's unfailing love towards you. Even if your circumstances today seem contrary to that, he's only taken you through the difficult times in your life to develop maturity and, and, and godly uh, character. You know, you say, Alan, but it's been months. You say, Alan, but it's been years. I know. I know. But for me, it was years. But that's the way God works. He builds things to last, and that takes time. It takes time to build something that's going to last. But the finished product is far much better in quality <clears throat> and a quick fix. We all want a quick fix. But quick fixes don't develop trust uh, in the living God. And so just let me say in closing, if you're here today and you're distant from God, you feel that you're distant from God. First of all, if you're distant, if you feel distant from God this morning because you've never had your sins forgiven, then the same is true. The answer is the same. Call out to God and put your trust in His unfailing love, as He demonstrated at the cross of Calvary for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. Okay? He died as your substitute. And he took the penalty that you deserved. And if you would turn to him this morning for salvation, he has promised in his word, in John chapter 6, him that comes to me, I will never cast out. And if you've come here today with a lament in your soul, if you've spent the last days or weeks or maybe even months pouring out your thoughts and your questions to God, crying out, how long, Lord, how long? Answer me. Remember me. Remember this, God can be trusted. God can be trusted. There's another Psalm 77, which Asphar wrote. He was a Levite, the leader of the praise in the temple. And he wrote a psalm 
uh, which starts off with a lament and ends in praise when the psalmist, the, the Levite, the Israelite, remembers. Well, first of all, his people are enslaved. That's what the lament is. They're in bondage. But he remembers their deliverance when God made a path through the Red Sea and delivered them. That's Psalm 77. And God will make a way. And that's what Claire is going to sing to us now. God made a way through the Red Sea for the Israelites. And whatever's going on in your life today, be assured of this, God can make a way for you. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.